Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. Have you ever heard of anybody being called the exclamation point woman? No. She's sitting in the studio. I'm pretty excited about it, too. <laughs> I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I heard her once give a message, and she said on campus they call her the exclamation point the professor. The walking exclamation point, yep. That's what you're called. Sometimes. Sometimes. I have been called that before, yes. Well, we're talking to Dr. Uh, Heather Holloman, who's a professor at Penn State. You're a mom of two. You're, mm-hmm. You've been married how many years? Twenty. We're coming up on 23 years. And you've been a professor at Penn State for how long? About 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what does the exclamation point? Why would yeah. I call Why that? Why do they call you that? Well, I bring a lot of energy, obviously. And in the morning in particular, I'm really <laughs> energetic. I like to keep class super lively. There's always a lot of fun. And so they always joke about how much energy I have and what my secret is to all the energy. So that's where that came from. I'm well, like, what do you do? What's something you do that's fun in the class? I'm well, thinking of college classes. I'm not yes. imagining fun or creative. Yeah. Well, if you walk into my classroom, there's always going to be music playing because I have the class contribute to a Spotify playlist so I can know what kind of music everyone likes. And there's always an attendance question, which is a really fun question that everyone has to answer. You've got to be every student's, they want to take one of your classes, I'm guessing. I do get a lot of students who like my class, mostly because I really do believe in them and I want the best for them and I work really hard to help them achieve their goals. So I'm pretty devoted to my student. And once you're my student, you're always my student. So I'll always be there helping them. I get emails 10 years later. Wow. I have never emailed a college prof because they didn't make a mark on my life like Mm. you are. I mean, they're emailing you because you have, you've made a a mark on your life and you're modeling for us the book we're going to talk about today, Six Conversations. I mean, before we met you walking in the hallway, you are, you had already asked me five questions. I did. (laughs) Yes. She's a great conversationalist. Yeah. And the subtitle of the six conversations is Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. That's right. I was highly motivated to research and write this book because of just the culture, not only of what I see on campus, on the college campus, but just research reports coming out about how lonely and isolated people are. I was looking at the Cigna Health study of 20,000 U.S. adults that said almost half the population reports not having meaningful conversations and the Harvard Grant study, longest research study ever. It's in its maybe 85th year, and it, they say that the single most determining factor of a happy life is warm connections, warm relationships. So I was seeing the lack of that, and I thought, I really have to do something. I have to, you know, teaching on the college campus, I thought, can I teach people how to have a loving connection, how to have a really good conversation so they're not only less lonely, But as someone who wrote the book Scent, I wanted people to get better in their ability to talk to each other about things that really matter, like their faith in Jesus. I'm wondering, I'm thinking of the listener, when was the last time you had a really deep, meaningful conversation? Like just that question, I think that kind of makes us sit back and think, oh, is that something I have on a regular basis? Or is that something I haven't had it in a long time? And you're saying that's really important. It's really important for mental health and also physical health. 
one thing about the book is I read all the research, all the available social science research. And then I also look at what the Bible has to say about why conversations would matter and how to have them well. Mm. So I love this book because it's practical. It's not an academic book, but it has all the research behind it that will help you have a loving connection and get to those meaningful conversations. Yeah, it's super, super practical. Yeah, it's easy. But here's my question. I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. Which he's not. Yeah, yeah, I was was looking at you like, (laughs) okay, someone's not telling the truth. I'm pretending I'm an introvert, you Mm -hmm. know, and I hear this discussion. I'm like, yeah, but I don't even really like to talk to people. Do I have to? You're so funny because, you know, my husband is an introvert and I say he's like the proof of concept for this book Yeah. because he is more introverted and more uh, reserved. But what you find is when you see the research behind the benefits of having a warm and loving connection and some of the mindsets that you would need in order to increase your happiness and also live a more biblical life you know, he was really motivated to connect in these ways. And he found himself reaching out on, you know, airplanes or to friends in new ways. Once you learn the four mindsets, they're really easy to learn and really transformative and can help you really grow in your art of conversation. Well, let's just, go. Let's let's, well, let me say this, too, just a shout out to the introverts. I feel like introverts can have the deepest they conversations. Can. That's right. Yeah. yeah oh, That's right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Explain <laughs> that one. You can't just throw out this and 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 Heather goes, yeah, yeah, and I'm over here like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I'm an extrovert, and so I think it can be easy for some of us just to have the conversation just on a surface level. That's what I do. I can easily go to a party, walk down the street, and I can talk superficial all day long. Right. This is what I learned about what needs to happen in every conversation in order for you to have a warm connection and invite a warm connection mm. with, from another person. So the By re- the way, listeners, you better be writing this down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or put this in so, your phone and think or of this, You need this for your family yes. even. This is perfect for how I connect with my daughters and my husband, my neighbors, my colleagues, my students. So in every conversation, four things need to be happening. You have to be curious, believe the best, express concern, and share your life. Now, if one of those is missing, you're not going to have that warm and loving connection. And if you move through each of the mindsets, a lot of people are not doing well in one of those categories. For example, you may just not be curious about other people, but it's a skill to develop, to ask questions, to really believe that the person in front of you is like a marvelous gift to figure out, you know, who they are, what they care about, and believing the best. A lot of us are approaching our friends with suspicion and judgment. Mm. And then expressing concern means that you really are invested in what's happening with people. What are their major stressors? What's keeping them up at night? You know, what um, major decisions do they have to make? And then it's your turn to share your life. And a lot of people don't do that well. And all of those terms, you know, they have research terms like interpersonal curiosity, positive regard, um, investment, and mutual sharing. But, you know, the social science is great, but I wanted to know if the Bible supported all of that. And you find all of those mindsets in Philippians 2, where Paul says to take an interest in other people, value them above yourselves. You'll find it in Romans 12, Galatians 6. It's beautiful to hold up all the social science to what Scripture has already told us about the mindsets you need first Mm. in order to connect well with people. So, Heather, as you go through those four Like, what was missing for you growing up? Well, I grew up um, 
as a military child. And so we moved a lot and I just experienced profound loneliness. And I think what was missing for me was expressing concern for other people, taking on their interests. I talked all the time, as maybe you can tell, I had high articulation needs, as they say. And then I wasn't good at sharing my life with people. Even though I talked a lot, I wouldn't really share things that were going on with me. I wouldn't be vulnerable with people. And then at certain seasons of my life, I've struggled believing the best about people. In my marriage, we were having a really difficult season of our marriage, and it was because I was always judgmental and not believing the best about him. So those mindsets really represent maturity for me. If you can grow in all those areas as you interact with people, especially children, they want to know that you believe the best about them, that you're not approaching them with judgment or suspicion about their lives. Mm. I mean, if you start with be curious, Mm -hmm. are there some questions? Are there some ways that you can help us? I mean, when I walked in, Literally, you walked right up, said hello, I'm Heather, and they said, hey, tell me about, you were at the Detroit Lions, blah, 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 I used to live in Michigan. You were curious from the start. Mm -hmm. So obviously, as someone hearing that question, I'm like, wow, I like her. Well, it does, they call that liking. Yes, when you ask questions, it increases what's called liking. Now, a lot of people think, oh, it's rude or nosy. I don't want to ask personal questions. But the research shows that when you do that, and even if it's an inappropriate question, people like you more. But to get to curiosity, it's really a disposition of the heart that you really value them above yourselves. They have something to teach you. They are representing a unique facet of God. They're going to teach you something that you would not know otherwise. Also, I like to believe that when you're talking to someone, every conversation has the potential to be a life-changing conversation. Like, Mm. have you ever had a conversation that changed your life forever? Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay, but what I really think you're asking is how did I come up with the questions to ask? Is that what you were wondering? Like, how did I know what to ask you? Yeah, in some ways, if I'm not, again, if a listener's not a curious person, they're like, where do I start? I'm not really that curious. I mean, Anne does this. We would have couples over, and as they're leaving, almost every time, as they're leaving our house, they would almost 100%, I'm probably 100%, they would say something like, wow, we just had the best time here yes. tonight. And I'm sitting there going, I know why. All we did was talk about you all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did you ask you questions. Because Anne asked, yes. Anne asked, Anne asked. And I'm, I mean, that's a good thing, but yes. she is so curious. She kept asking them questions that they Which, loved it because it honored them. Anytime you're with someone, you can think of the six dimensions of what it means to be human. And those are pathways of how to ask really great questions in each of those categories. And then you're going to determine what your conversation partner actually wants to talk about. So the six dimensions of being human, every person you see is social. They have friends. They're physical, meaning their bodies and physical spaces. They're emotional. And a lot of people go there first, like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? They're cognitive, which means they're thinking about things. That's actually my favorite question to ask people is, what have you been thinking about lately? Mm -hmm. I often don't say how are you feeling or what, you know, how are you today? I'll say, I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been thinking about? And I learned so much just asking that question. Hmm. The last two categories are volitional and spiritual. Volitional means that everyone you meet makes choices. That's human volition, your ability to make choices and act on them. So it's really about decisions people are making, what choices they're making, how they decided something. And I like asking people that, um, you know, especially if they're 
wearing something new, I'll say, I love your outfit. How did you decide, you know, to wear that dress? Or how did you decide to buy that dress? Just ask them their decision-making process. What went into it? She just asked me this in the bathroom, by the way. (laughs) And then spiritual is my favorite category. Um, It's hard to start in the spiritual category, but you can. You can ask people, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. I would love to know just what have you been thinking about God? Or, you know, it's more awkward because if you don't know the person well, it's hard to ask a question in that category. But I love using um, the structure of the six conversations because you'll never get lost in conversation again. And whatever someone answers, you have endless permutations of where to go next. So when I asked Dave about the time with football. If you noticed, I was interested in what it did, the impact it had on your body. That's physical. I wanted to know, did you have injuries? And I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it because so I was listening, like, is he answering in more than one word? Does he seem animated about it? And you wanted to tell the story about the longest pass, (laughs) you know, the interception. I won't bring it up. But I was just noticing, like, what does he want to talk about? But I could have asked a social question, like, what were your favorite friendships from that time? Or cognitive, you know, what were you thinking about when that, well, I actually did ask you that after the football pass, you know, what was that like? How did, you know, whatever. Spiritually, I asked, how did you handle that? You weren't a Christian yet. What did you, how did you recover? And then I could have gone on and on based on whatever you answered. I just could have run down the list and observed the category that you like talking about. It's interesting that as you recall that conversation, you were literally going through She's what going you, through the whole process yeah. about. It's I, easy. on the other side of that even reading your book six conversations i didn't even know you're doing it right it just so felt it's not like a conversation artificial. yeah a lot of yeah. people are like isn't this artificial you're going down a list or a formula no it's just paying attention and being really curious and figuring out what people love to talk about and then you can have a really warm connection so often People love to talk about their bodies and physical spaces, but nobody asks questions about that. So asking someone, for example, how they've been sleeping at night, people actually like to talk about (laughs) sleeping, their sleep rituals, how they're sleeping, or especially with older people, they often like and need to talk about the changes like pain they're experiencing and having someone listen to what it's like to grow older. People also love to be able to process decision-making Things like that. It's interesting as I'm looking at your four mindsets, I'm thinking of a parent. Yes. With their children. Yes. And the second one, believe the best, is so critical. Huge. Because as I'm looking at that, if I'm not believing the best about my teenage daughter or son, let's say hypothetical, this whole conversation goes a different way. It falls apart. I get curious for a wrong reason. Right. Like I'm asking you questions because I'm trying to catch you in something because I believe you're doing something behind my back. You know, I'm expressing concern, which Mm -hmm. is not, I really can care about you. I want to stop this behavior. And then I share my own story. Right. It could go the other way. So that believe the best is critical. Am I right? It is. In fact, the whole structure falls apart if one of the mindsets is missing. And you're absolutely right. I have people that are very curious about me. They might even express concern. They might share their life, but I know that they already are judging me or they don't believe the best about me. Or the other three mindsets could be true. They believe the best. They maybe will express concern and share their life, but they will not ask me one question about my life. It's a real challenge to people to think, you know, be curious, believe the best, express concern, share your life. If you don't share your life, it comes off as an interview. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you need that last one. See, hon, you're sharing yeah, your you're life. Yeah, you're sharing We're your good life. Balance. That's what I'm doing, honey. No, you're 
really right. good because a lot of people don't <laughs> understand why you need all four. So you got right to the what's going to happen if I don't believe the best. And yeah. Generation Z, the number one priority is they want to be spoken to without judgment. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, yeah. the studies on belonging mm-hmm. and um, Generation Z is the loneliest generation, they want conversations where nobody's going to judge them and they can be free to talk about what they need to talk about. So I think about that when I'm with my students or with people who believe totally different things than I do. I just want to believe the best. There's a story behind why Mm. they believe what they believe and me trying to figure out that story and not judge them. Even if it's a completely wild, you know, a political opinion I don't agree with or maybe behavior that I think is wrong, Instead of judging them, I want to know the story. Tell me how you decided to do that or tell me more about how you arrived at this political position. I'm really curious. And they'll know if you're believing the best. They'll know. They can tell. So you have to really believe it in your heart that people are trying to do their best. There's always a story behind why they believe what they believe. Here's a great question. If you feel disconnected from your spouse or children or anyone, you can say, we haven't connected in a while what question are you hoping I'll ask you about your life? Mm, that's a good one. And um, it's an act of love to know what your spouse and children like to talk about. My mm. children love to talk about their friends. They love to talk about music, food. They don't want me to ask them, like, what their deep thoughts are about a passage of Scripture they read. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't want that right now. Right. So I just like to get the warm connection based on what they enjoy talking about. I have two thoughts. But if I think back to our 10th year, which our listeners know about. It's the yes. year that Ann said, I've lost my feelings for you. When we were coming through that, one of the things you said to me on when we go out on a date, you said, would you ask me this question on our dates? And she said, write this down. So I, this is back in the pencil and paper days. I literally get out of things. She says, just ask me this when we go out. What's that? How are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, how are you doing? That's what she goes. You don't ask me that. And as as I realized, my whole life was about me. Yeah. The reason she lost feelings for me is I'm all about me, my job, my ministry, my future. I'm never, I'm never stopping to just ask that simple question. Be curious. How are you doing as a mom, as a, mm-hmm. as my wife? And so my answer to you on the other side is there have been many times I've asked a wife, so what's your husband literally do at work? And they're like, I don't know. He's something with computers. I'm like, your husband really would love to talk about that. That is really important to us. That's what I love it. When you ask me, tell me about your job. Like you're writing a sermon. What's it about? Why why are you going this way instead of Mm. that way? What'd you feel when you're on stage? Ooh, that's volitional. You you want people to ask you, hey, how'd you decide to do that passage? And I think one other great application for today would be to ask your husband, to ask your kids this question. Do you feel like I believe the best in you? Mm. Yeah, they know. They totally know know. the answer. And I would say this too, pray before you have that conversation. And when they say, because they may say, I do not believe you believe the best, do not get in an argument and say, yes, I do. Yeah, don't get defensive. (laughs) Say, you're right. Tell Tell me me more. more. Why do you feel that way? And listen, because I think God wants to grow you. so good, Anne. The other thing that is good with kids is to let them know you're carrying their burdens with them. Galatians 6, to find out what their major stressors are. Mm -hmm. After you ask that, say, look, I really want to help carry your burdens and pray for you. Let them unburden themselves. What are the major stressors? What thoughts keeping you up at night? And let me add one thing that I did. My adult son just said, I don't like it when you do this, is I would say, I'm worried about you. 
I thought I was like being empathetic, like, oh, I care about you. He said, what I hear you saying is you're failing. Yeah. And I don't like what I'm seeing, which I said, oh, that's not what I'm feeling at all. But I'm concerned you're not, you know, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I've never thought of it. He said it feels disrespectful to me. Wow. Isn't that... I wonder if you had changed the verb. Yes. Like, I'm I'm so curious. How is this going? How's it going? Yeah. Or I'm really interested in how you guys are working on this thing. But or that whatever. word worry yeah. communicates that I'm not trusting him with what he's doing. You're actually right on with choosing the right word in the question. That's why questions like, how was your day? Never land well. People hate the verb was. Mm. It's too existential. It doesn't land well in the brain. It's it's actually stressful for the brain, according to neuroscience. So when you put a strong verb in there, don't say to your children, you know, how was your day? Instead say, did anything surprise you about your day? Did anything challenge you? Did anything make you laugh? They will open up and it will be a really delightful conversation. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Does your marriage need a tune-up or perhaps a bit of an overhaul? Come to A Day Together, our one-day marriage conference that focuses on helping couples develop oneness in their marriage. For a list of dates and locations near you, see our website at families.powertochange.org.au Until tomorrow, God's blessings. Thank you.